Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Allen. Uh, hopefully I greeted you, most of you when you came in. Uh, we're good Sunday to be here. We're starting a new series called Follow. Uh, this is not original with us, and we've actually done this series before. And the reason uh, we're doing it a second time, that's unusual, is because it's probably had the most impact on the type of church we are. So as we go through this series, you'll understand why we do some of the things we do and why we say some of the things we say. So... <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to do something that's really difficult, especially if you've been around church a long time like I have. I want you to try and start with a blank slate. Believe you've never read the Bible, you know nothing about God, Jesus, anything. You've never been to church before. Right? You have a blank slate. Because we all have some misconceptions about this thing we call Christianity or church, whatever term you want to use. So I'm asking you in this series to kind of start with a blank slate. We're going to look mostly at what Jesus had to say and figure out what this thing's all about. So that's my (laughs) wish for all of us. Now, how many of you played the game Simon Says growing up? Most of us played that game. How many of you are really good at it? One, (laughs) two, (laughs) all right. So you leave yourselves out of the conversation. (laughs) For the rest of us, let me tell you. Let me ask you, how long do you usually play that game? Did you play it for hours and on end? Anybody? No. Uh, I I would play it for about 10 or 15 minutes, and then I'd get bored because I kept getting out, right? It just, uh, I would be inconsistent. Sometimes I'd do it pretty good. Sometimes I wouldn't. It just wasn't that much fun. And so I'd I'd, I'd quit or we'd quit. I even played it as an adult with my kids. Well, Christianity to a lot of us at times have felt like Jesus says. You know, Jesus says do this, Jesus says do this, Jesus says don't do this, do this, don't do this. And so somewhere along the line we've picked this up, but we're going to see that's not what being a Jesus follower means. It isn't about Jesus says this and Jesus doesn't say this. In fact, many of you have probably at some point in your life, quote unquote, dropped out of Christianity. Dropped out of church. Oh, you still believe in God and Jesus and all that stuff. But you just, maybe were frustrated, you were inconsistent, and, you know, just like, I don't feel like playing Simon Says anymore. I don't feel like playing Jesus Says. And some of your friends that don't really get involved in any kind of thing spiritual, that's probably where they're at. They probably have some background, but they feel just got tired of messing up and not being able to do what Jesus said. So, that's where we want to start this morning. Now, we'll start with this statement. I used the word faith. I didn't know what best term to use. Faith, on the other hand, is so extraordinarily relational. It's not about do's and don't. It's about a relationship. Yeah, we have those Ten Commandments and all the other stuff in the Bible. Do this, don't do that. But first and foremost, it is a relationship. Jesus described it this way. You can't see God. If you want to understand what God is like, he's like a heavenly father. And you're one of his children. Extremely relational. First and foremost, think about him being your loving father and you, one of his children that he loves. Another illustration he used, which is strange for us, is like a shepherd and his sheep. Anybody raise sheep? Anybody here raise sheep? So none of us know anything about this illustration, but from what 
Jesus, the way Jesus described it, it's kind of like this. How many of you have dogs? I know a bunch of you have dogs. Okay. So if your dog was in the other room, and I heard me talking in here, that dog wouldn't try and get in here. But if they heard you talking, what would that dog do? He recognizes your voice, he would come. Jesus said, yeah, my sheep recognize my voice. So a shepherd, a bunch of sheep here, three shepherds with three, sheep, three groups of sheep, and they, when they want to go home, they, the sheep follow the shepherd. They recognize their voice. So you have a relationship with your pet. The shepherd has a relationship with the sheep. Jesus says, you have a relationship with God. But again, God's invisible. So how do you have a relationship with an invisible God? So that's kind of the question we're trying to figure out here. So we're going to look at a story. Again, we have four accounts of the life of Jesus, which is extraordinary because he was an unimportant person, as the world would say. He was never had a political office. He lived in this kind of unimportant country in the Roman Empire, occupied by the Roman Empire, 2,000 years ago. How many people with that situation would we have any account of, much less four accounts? So we're going to look at something in Matthew, and Matthew is writing, and this story is about Matthew. Okay? So this is Matthew writing about Matthew. Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 9. <clears throat> As Jesus left Capernaum, he came upon a tax-collecting station where a treacherous Jew was busy at his work collecting taxes for the Romans. So, Romans controlled this area of the world, lots of the world, and of course, as, as people in the control, they collect taxes. Now, the way this would work, uh, the Roman Empire would auction off the right to be tax collectors. So, mostly, rich people would do this. And so, they would win the auction. So, for example, somebody had the right to auction off the taxes in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. Could... Somebody could own a bunch of rights. It's kind of like a pyramid, though, you know, a pyramid scheme. So that person wouldn't collect the taxes. He would hire somebody else to collect the taxes. So he would hire someone. You'd say, pay me $100,000 a year. You can keep the rest. So that person may get $50,000 a year. But they probably didn't do it either. And they hired some other people to do it. <clears throat> and so Matthew's somewhere down this pyramid collecting taxes. Now, the people had the rights were Roman citizens. Matthew's a Jew. So that's why the Bible says he's a traitorous Jew because he's working for the enemy. He's working for the Romans. They occupied Jerusalem at this time and, and Judea. And so consequently, he was not really loved by his fellow Jews. In fact, he was hated. He was probably the most hated or the most hated group of people in the town. We're going to see there's more than one. And so this tax collector that he comes across is who? His name was Matthew. So the first thing we see about Matthew, he's this traitorous, hated Jew. He's a, in fact, he's not able to practice his religion because of his profession. Now, Jesus comes up to him. He could have said a lot of things. Matthew, you ought to be ashamed of yourself working for the Romans. Wouldn't your mother be proud of you? He could have said lots of different things. But what does he say to him? Here's how Matthew records it. Come follow me. Wait a minute. I, I'm a hated Jew, tax collector. You're a, a Jewish rabbi, holy man. Come follow me. Now, it's hard for us to relate to, to, to a tax collector in this scenario. To think about the most hated person you can think in our society. I don't know if it's a drug dealer to middle school kids or a child pornographer. I, I don't know. You decide. 
Who is the person that you would consider the lowest of the low in society? That would be Matthew in his day. Whatever would be that person for you and I. What even makes this more amazing is he's just saying, hey, uh, come see what I'm saying. He says, come follow me. And he's saying, come join my group. Be part of my, quote unquote, disciples. Be part of my inner circle. Hang out with me like maybe even 24-7. That's what he asked of Matthew. Again, the lowest of the low in society. So Matthew could have said lots of things. Are you crazy? <laughs> Why would I do that? Why would I, I, you know, I don't know you, you're a stranger, you, I know you're getting kind of famous, but you know, why would I want to do that? But what does Matthew say? It's amazingly, here's what he said, he said, said he said, <laughs> Matthew jumped up and began to follow Jesus. Now, we have to understand what it means to say, follow Jesus. This was just a big, did he ask Matthew, do you believe I'm the Messiah? Did he ask Matthew to even say if he believed in the Old Testament? Did he ask Matthew, are you behaving yourself, Matthew? Of course, he knew he wasn't. All he asked is a baby step. Just come follow. He didn't say, and he'll put this on the screen, if you're willing to quit being a tax collector, you can come follow me. I don't believe he quit. He probably had other people working for him, and he still was getting his money. He was just saying, oh, I'll follow this guy for a little while and check him out. It's kind of like you start following somebody on Facebook or, or their blog. When you start following, you, you, I just see what it's like. If you like it, you keep following. If you don't, you don't. That's kind of the situation. Take a baby step. Just spend some time with me. And we see this in Jesus' ministry, all kinds of people. Another tax collector, Lazarus, I mean, uh, <clears throat> Nicodemus, uh, no, what's his name? Can I think of his name? Zacchaeus, there we go. You guys didn't help me. Zacchaeus, another tax collector, um, woman at the well. I mean, all these disreputable people in society that Jesus had these interactions with. I and mean, he, he doesn't say, are you willing to give up that bad habit? Are you willing to not do that? He suggests that to some of these folks. But he does no conditions. Just said, come follow. We'll explain that a little bit in a few minutes, why he did that. And so their reaction, like our reaction, is this. Faith can't be that simple. It can't be that simple. Isn't there all these rules i got to follow and all, this, all these changes i got to make in my life? Follow. Come follow. So the best picture of faith, according to Jesus' interaction with Matthew, would be this. Am I following? Not do I know the Bible backwards and forwards. Not that I've changed my lifestyle any. All these things are good. Do I go to church, read my Bible, pray? All these things. No, no. Are, am I following? The neat thing about this is I've been doing this for over 50 years. You may have been doing it for 50 days. It makes no difference. We're going to equal ground. I may know the Bible backwards and forwards. You, you may not know it at all. It doesn't matter. Are you following? I'm following. Are you following? We can be on Equal ground. Again, it just seems too simple. And it seemed too simple to them. <laughs> These are Jewish folks. And so they grew up with Judaism, all the laws of Judaism. So then we don't know how much time passes. Probably pretty quickly. Uh, Jesus does something that, again, for us is hard to comprehend. But this would have been unspeakable. 
and for a, a Jewish rabbi in his culture. He went to Matthew's house, sharing me with him. And not only was Matthew there, what? Other tax collectors and outcasts of society were invited to eat with Jesus and his disciples. Now, the disciples are probably freaking out at this point because they kind of felt like if you hung out with sinful people, it kind of rubbed off on you. So you kind of separated yourself from sinful people. So for Jesus to actually go into Matthew's house and have a meal with him was almost scandalous. As a rabbi, wouldn't do that. You're, you're a holy man making yourself unholy. And what Jesus is saying, hey, Matthew, you are more important than my rabbi reputation. Which is a big deal. And some of you have been around here while you heard me say this. This is what haunts me as a pastor of a Christian church in Christianity. This statement here is not original with me, but it's this. Jesus was extraordinarily comfortable with people who aren't anything like him. In fact, Jesus was about as far on this side as you can get, and Matthew as far as you can get over here. And he was comfortable sitting down and having a meal with him and a bunch of other just like him. And people just nothing like him, like Matthew and his buddies, like Jesus, and were comfortable with him. We could use the word they felt accepted. And what haunts me is, when I think about people that aren't nothing, anything like us, they don't like us. Most people out there don't like us. And let's be honest, most of us don't like them. But if I'm supposed to be like Jesus, I'm supposed to like them. I'm supposed to hang out with them. And hopefully, they like me. So if you're not really a religious person or you're not a Jesus follower at this point, we're glad that you're here. I just want to say this to you. Jesus would like you. Even, and he would like you even though he knows everything you've done, everything you are doing, everything you'll ever do. And he would still like you. So that's what haunts me as a pastor of the Christian church. Because the church, in the history of the church, we haven't done a good job at being like Jesus. So, not only were the disciples probably freaked out about this, Jesus always had people following him. And they were religious people, and they were, this group was known as the Pharisees. So when those known as the Pharisees saw what was happening, they were indignant. Again, how could this holy man have a meal with these sinful people? So they kept asking Jesus' disciples, why would your master dine with such lowlifes? Some translations say scum. All right, so we've got the religious people thinking they're good, and these people are lowlifes or scum, and so good people shouldn't hang out with scum. And so they're confused because Jesus was doing this. And no good rabbi, no good holy man would do that. So Jesus overhears this, and he tries to explain himself. In fact, he uses a pretty easy to understand illustration. He overhears, he spoke up and said, healthy people don't need to see a doctor, but sick will go for treatment. All right. Anybody here go to the doctor this week because you were well? Anybody? Oh, I just want to go see the doctor and, <laughs> and give him some money, right? <laughs> now, some of you, I know in the first service, some people went to the doctor because they had ailments. Makes sense. But if you're sitting in Matthew's seat, imagine 
If you think about this for a second, uh, Jesus, are you saying I'm sick? I guess you are. Those out there and us in here are different and you're hanging out with us and you say sick people <laughs> go for treatment, not well people. And if Matthew was to be honest, and as best we can tell, he probably was, oh, Jesus, you're kind of right. You know, I'm a traitor to my own people. I'm sold out for money. Who else? Who knows what else? Eat, drink, and be married probably was his lifestyle. So Jesus insults, in a way, insults the tax collectors and Matthew. <laughs> but more interesting to me, anyway, is he doesn't play any favorites. He insults everybody, okay? <laughs> so look what he says next. Now he's speaking to the holy men, the Pharisees. These, these people were, uh, we would call them 24-7 religious people. Okay, that was their job to be, be good, be religious. Now you should go and study the meaning of the verse. Now that's what they spent their time doing, studying the Old Testament. And so Jesus throws in a verse from the Old Testament, Hosea. I've come, uh, I want you to show mercy, not just offer me a sacrifice. So he's saying, um... <laughs> You guys that think you know what the Bible says, you spend all this time studying it, you need to go study this verse because you really don't understand. That's what he's telling them. He said, and then he explains again, I've come to invite the outcasts of society and sinners, not those, and notice what he says, who think, not that those that are, those who think they are already on the right path. So he said, that's why I've come. I've come for people that know they're sick, that know they need help. I'm not coming for people to think they don't need help. And so what we've done with Christianity for, for most of the history of the church is we've made Christianity about two things. Behave and believe. Behave and believe. There's a list of things you've got to believe and you've got a list of things you got where you got to behave. Is there any of that in this story? Did he tell Matthew or these other guys they had to believe anything? Did he tell them they had to behave any certain way? No, he just said, come follow and so we as Jesus followers, those who are, and if you're not, again, we're, we're delighted that you're here. But those of us who could say are, we're Jesus followers, we dare not approach, quote, unquote, entity, faith, whatever, with any other attitude. Not focus on believe this or believe that. My wife got upset when I said that, uh, said this to her. I said, nobody here believes everything in the Bible. Uh, I believe it all. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, you interpret it certain ways. How many of you eat pork? That's a no-no in the Bible. Don't even raise your hand. That's just one example. I could give you a hundred. All right? So it can't be about belief. I mean, there's a belief component. We'll talk about that. And all, all of us do different things. You probably do some things I would say, yeah, you're misbehaving. And you would probably say, hey, some things I'm doing, I'm misbehaving. It's not about belief. It's not about behavior. Those are important. They have a place. But again, we're blank slate. We're, where do you start? Well, you start with come and follow. Now notice, which room was Jesus in? Was he in the room with the religious people or was he in the room with the sinful people? And if we're not careful, we're going to be on the outside when Jesus is on the inside. The Pharisees' mantra is something like this. Change, 
and then you can join us. And that's often what we see in the church. Well, if you straighten up your life, you get rid of this bad habit, you stop being a child molester or child pornography, or you stop selling drugs, you can join us. Is that what he told Matthew? No. Oh, you, got, you certainly got to believe Jesus was the Son of God. You certainly got to believe the Bible's true. Is that what he said to Matthew? No. Just said, come follow. Now, those of you who've been a Jesus follower like myself for a while, I think you can give testimony to this fact. After a while of following Jesus, you look in the mirror and you don't recognize the person in the mirror. Give you an example, my kids can tell you. Uh, when they were growing up, I had a bad temper and I would yell and scream and get angry about stuff. And I would determine I would stop doing that. Did I stop? No. Okay. Do I do it anymore? I say it's because the kids are gone, but anyway. <laughs> I don't. I look in the mirror and I say, what, what happened? See, I was changed from the inside out. I was changed by hanging out with Jesus rather than I am going to change myself. Now, I've got to cooperate, obviously. So, Jesus says, join us, and then you'll change. And if you've been a Jesus follower for a while, you can say amen to that. We don't say amen around here usually, but uh, that's your experience, isn't it? I'm a different person. I'm a more loving person. I'm a, a kinder person. I, 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 I'm just different not because I'm being more loving, it's because I've changed from the inside out. So quickly, four things we can learn about Jesus' invitation to follow. Again, we're just getting started with this topic. Being a sinner does not disqualify you. So if Matthew, the most hated, the most lowest of the low of society, wasn't disqualified, I don't care what you've done. <laughs> Jesus doesn't care what you've done. You haven't disqualified yourself from following Jesus. Is that clear enough? <laughs> All you have to realize is, yeah, I, I, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> Jesus, was, the Bible would say you're a sinner, but you know, there's something wrong with me. I don't do what I always should do, and I do things I shouldn't do. That qualifies you as a sinner. That qualifies you as a follower. Secondly, being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. In fact, <laughs> most of the Jesus' disciples didn't believe until after the resurrection. And Jesus over and over again said, Where, you, you have so, so little belief. And they were hanging out with Jesus in person. So if you don't believe all that Bible stuff in the Bible, you don't believe all the stuff I'm up here saying, if you don't believe, that's fine. That does not disqualify you from following Jesus. Third thing, the invitation to follow is purely an invitation to relationship. It's not an invitation to change anything. It's not an invitation to believe anything. It's simply, come, hang out with me. Spend time with me. That's the invitation. Now, again, you have to be, you say, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm curious. I don't believe most of that stuff, but I'm curious. I, I'll, I'll check it out. I'll check this blog. I'll, check, I, I'll, I'll start following. One way to put it is this. Rules don't make a relationship. Rules don't make a relationship. I've been married a long time. <laughs> uh, we don't have a lot of rules in our house. But we could have a whole list of rules. My wife wants me to do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. I could do all those rules and still have a lousy marriage. I could be a lousy husband. I just follow the rules. On the other hand, I don't call them rules. I call them preferences. My wife has preferences. Like, 
after you go to the bathroom, put the toilet seat down. That's one of her preferences. Okay? So I do it not because it's a rule. I do it because I'm in a loving relationship with her. And that, if I can please her by doing that, I'm going to do that. And the more, greater the relationship, the less you have the rules. We don't have a list of rules. You probably in your marriage, you don't either. And if you've been a Jesus follower for a while, I think you can give testimony to this next statement also. If you start loving Jesus, you'll start doing some different things and some things differently. So he doesn't start changing. You start doing things differently. You start by loving Jesus. You start by hanging out with Jesus. I use the word proximity. The more time you stay, spend closer to, close, as close as you can to Jesus, this will happen. You'll start doing some different things. Going to church, reading your Bible, all these, all these things we call religious things. And you do some things differently. You'll start, start controlling your temper and the way what you say and how you say it and all those different things. Interesting, Jesus, uh, Paul, different things can motivate people. Fear can motivate people. And sometimes we try and scare people into the kingdom or into being a follower. But I don't see anything about Jesus here scaring Matthew, do you? In fact, Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, put it this way. Do you, don't you realize the wealth of his, meaning God's, extravagant kindness, not fear, is meant to melt your heart and lead you into repentance. Repentance is a change. I'm going this way, I'm going to go this way, and of course this way we follow Jesus. That's what repentance means. What motivates you to change more? Somebody scaring you or somebody being kind to you? Somebody being kind to you. Paul said, it's God's kindness. God is loving you and accepting you. This is what's going to be attractive. This is what's going to cause you to be interested. This is what's going to cause you to want to start following. Fourth thing is this. Following forces me to focus on where I am rather than where you are not. Am I following? Am I following? Am I following? Oh, hopefully you're following. But my focus is on, am I following? And no, I'm not following here. I need to, I need, I need to work on that. Um, I, I, I just spend my focus is on doing the best I can to follow. And if you put your focus on doing the best you can to follow, <laughs> the churches, the fantastic thing about the church is we can do that hand in hand. Can't we? Whether you, again, you've been a Jesus follower for 50 days or 50 years. Be in different places. I know more, probably more than you do. Doesn't matter. Are you following? Yeah, I'm following. Hey, let's follow together. When a church is operating like it should, that's should, what should happen. So everybody's accepted. In fact, I don't even figured this out yet. We talked about Pastor Clint's class next week. I don't believe most of that stuff. I don't know if I believe any of that stuff. Well, that's exactly where you need to start. Okay, well, let's just find out. Is it worth spending your life, your time, your energy. So, if you want to check yourself, see if you're following, here's a good way you can check yourself. When you stop following, you start, you'll start judging. So if you start pointing fingers, start judging people, saying, you know, what's this wrong with you, and this is wrong with you, and what's wrong with you, and that, you stop following. Because Jesus didn't do that. So the question we're asking is, am I following? And if you find anything attractive about Jesus, 
and Christianity, the church, whatever, if you find anything attractive, then you will start to follow. Check it out. So it's like anything else. And believing. Nobody, I encourage you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that part of the Bible. Nobody begins reading something with a belief that is true. You don't, do you? You read it and then decide if it's true. So that's all we ask you. Read the Bible. See if you believe it's true. So here's your assignment this week. Pretty simple. Would you be willing to do this? Not change your behavior. Not believe a bunch of stuff. Simply call it a prayer. Say this each, each day or maybe multiple times during a day. Lord, where you lead, I will follow. Not complicated, pretty simple. Pastor Clint said, you know, we're doing this refuge thing. We don't have the money for it. God's going to have to bring it, but that's where God's leading, so we're following. So that's your quote-unquote assignment for this week. Pretty simple, pretty easy to do. Lord, where you lead, I will follow. Uh, We're just getting started. There's so much more I'd like to say about this topic, Uh, but we'll... uh, We'll continue this next week and uh, I'll pray with you and we'll have a song and let you go. Ah, Father God, we make Christianity, faith, following you so complicated sometimes. We also make it kind of unattractive at times. And so God, forgive us for that. Forgive us for not liking those people that aren't like us. And we forgive, forgive us for acting in such a way that those people don't like us. Uh, Jesus, you're your you're example. And I thank you that it's, it's not complicated. It's just hang out with you. you come, I don't know if that's the right term, but you'll rub off on us. You'll change us. God, I pray for anybody here that's not started following, that today would be the day that we start following. We're not committing to anything, believing anything, changing anything. We're just, okay, I, I think there might be something there of help, benefit to me in my life. It can be selfish. Yes, I think I'll start to follow. And God, we just pray that that transaction will radically change that person. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.